Yeah, give it up to me, and I do not mean pumpkin spice lattes. I cannot stand pumpkin spice. Not a fan, never have been. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I'm here trying to enjoy a cup of coffee and got the wrong one. Someone put freaking pumpkin spice in it, and my entire day is ruined. I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. This week I will be discussing the fantasy of Star Wars the science of Star Trek, and all things within each of those universes that are paranormally and supernaturally related and how they all intertwine with one another and tell the same story, but from completely different angles. It's a lot of entertainment and a lot of fun. And, of course, I'll be starting this week right now off with hate mail. I received a lot of it from the episode due to the episode I released last week about social media. Is it our enemy? And I lambasted Trump as I always do and um, made fun of Mike Lindell and made fun of Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and talked about uh, the corrosive corruption of the alt-right and the bent agenda of the pseudo- Left, the pseudo-liberal, not your typical run-of-the-mill liberal, but the pseudo-liberal that they tend to want and uh, want to completely distort and destroy and uh, corrupt common sense. But at the same time, the alt-right seems to be doing the same thing, but from a completely different perspective. But it's just as damaging. And, you know, I, I uh, pointed out the faults of a lot of our leaders and the way our government works or doesn't work, for that matter. And, man, did I get a lot of hate mail. Uh, this one, for example. Uh, Neil Parks, you should just stick to ghosts, UFOs, and Bigfoot. Um, if, I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to hear shit, I would go to the toilet. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for that, Marcus. Uh, Marcus, I won't say your last name, but... You're getting your 15 seconds of fame on my show by me just mentioning your name. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, obviously, you more than likely watch Fox News, so you're getting your daily dosage of shit anyway without having to go to the toilet, so congratulations. Uh, this one comes from Brooke. Uh, this was sent to me through Facebook Messenger, and it says, Why do you always have to attack Trump, and you're down on Republicans, and you're always saying Republicans are the problem. Uh, Probably because, like I said in last week's episode, uh, the Democrats aren't perfect, but they are freaking trying. They are trying to do what's right, for the most part. They are trying to help the working class, the underprivileged, the downtrodden, and keep the middle class alive and afloat. For the most part. I'm giving the Democrats... Kudos for trying, for doing things to try to make things better for us across the board, which would be keeping unions alive, uh, continuing to provide some form of health care, continuing to pave and repair our roads, build bridges, um, you know, provide FMLA for uh, employers to provide to their employees or maternity leave. Um, I'm a major proponent for women's rights and everyone's running around screaming my body, my choice about this vaccination and about mask mandates. 
But at the same time, when someone on the other side of the coin says, my body, my choice, and they're be tr being treated as a human host for an undeveloped embryo that doesn't really have any cognitive thought at this point in time until past a month at least, or six weeks, or two months. I'm not a scientist. I really don't know. I know the numbers don't lie. I know the science is accurate in regards to determining when a baby human can survive outside of the mother's body. That's what I support. And I, for one, as a person, despise abortion. I don't like abortion. I wouldn't want to get an abortion. I sure the hell wouldn't want anyone close to me having an abortion, getting one. I don't support abortion. I support a person's right to choose. Because something as cataclysmic as having to make a choice such as that is between that person, their doctor, and their God. And it should not have a stamp of approval from any governing body. And the church needs to stay out of politics. If they're not going to pay taxes, then they need to stay out of politics. And politics needs to stay out of church. It's as simple as that. That is what I preach on a regular basis. Another message that was sent to me uh, came from uh, Mike. Says, I've known you for years. I never thought you would flip like this and become a baby-killing, fag-loving liberal. Uh, amazing. Uh, like I just said to uh, Brooks' response, I don't like abortion, never have, don't want one. But I'm not going to throw stones at someone who has to make that choice, for medical reasons, of course. Uh, or for reasons of rape or incestual rape. That's between them, their doctor, and their God. And please refrain from using words like fag, unless you are referring to what they call cigarettes in England, which those are fags. Anyway, yes, I love fags. Not cigarettes, but homosexuals. They are my brothers. Lesbians are my sisters. Uh, we're all stuck on this planet together. If we could stop picking each other apart, over trivial bullshit like sexual preference. That would be great. It's the Old Testament that commands God's people to kill homosexuals or to push walls upon homosexuals or stone them or burn them or drag them through the streets for their sexually immoral deeds. It's the Old Testament that does this and says that. If we as Christians are really going to live the way Christ taught us, then we need to speak the way Christ spoke to us and the way he speaks to those such as the tax collector, the whore, the prostitute, whom he broke bread with and sat with and defended and spent time with. And it's the new covenant, the new testament that tells us these things and Christ's action speaks volumes and he never once said to kill queers or to burn homosexuals or to throw stones at them or to push walls on top of them these are actions that are continually carried out by the worst of us 
that being Islamic terrorists. They continue to teach, preach, and behave this way and kill gay people because they believe their religion tells them to do it. And what is it exactly that Christians believe our religion tells us to do? Certainly isn't that. Certainly is not that. And you know in your heart of hearts, anyone listening to this that condemns homosexuality, that condemns a person at a crossroad in their life having to make a choice such as abortion, you know in your heart of hearts that Jesus commands you to be there for that person, to be a light, a beacon, to be welcoming arms, to be a voice, to be a shoulder to cry on, to be someone who gives a damn. You know in your heart of hearts that is what Christ commanded. Stop living your life according to what some lunatic from the pulpit is telling you what he understands from what he's read or from what he was told by his great-grandfather who probably owned slaves. Yet again, another ironic twist. Jesus never spoke against slavery either, so what does that mean? Does that mean we're still supposed to keep slaves? In fact, he told slaves to honor their masters and told masters to be kind to their slaves. So did we screw up when we abolished slavery? Were we not supposed to do this because Christ didn't command us to abolish slavery? That's something we did in the 1800s. So I'm a little confused here. What is it we're supposed to be doing? Or what do you think we're supposed to be doing? Because so many Christians have it wrong. Or so many so-called Christians have it wrong. The ironic thing is there will be more people who profess to be Christians in hell than there will be in heaven. That's why there's only a stairway to heaven and a highway to hell. Because a highway has so many more lanes. And that is the unfortunate truth. Don't damn yourself to hell. Open your mind. Open what God is telling you. Read it for yourself. Stop listening to your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your crazy uncle who is a conspiracy theorist, your great-grandfather, your grandfather, your neighbor. If they say one thing, take it with a grain of salt, then read it yourself and see what you take from it. See what God is saying to you. Once again, like I said, this week's episode will be dealing with the science of Star Trek and the fantasy of Star Wars, and all the paranormal in between. This one will be a lot more lighthearted than last week's episode. So far, I've only read about three pieces of hate mail I received from last week's episode. I may share more. I may just leave it at this. But please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Wow, what an amazing commercial that was. Not really sure what to make of it other than the fact that I um, have to run these advertisements and sponsors and commercials. It's a nice filler as well. Right now, I'm going to cover 
Can everyone see Force Ghosts in regards to the Star Wars universe? Force Ghosts are well established as a part of Star Wars lore, but can anybody see them, or are the apparitions only visible to those who are Force-sensitive? Force Ghosts have a habit of appearing exactly when they're needed in the Star Wars movies, but can anybody see one? The concept of the Force Ghost traces back all the way to the original movie in 1977, where Obi-Wan Kenobi ominously informed Darth Vader that he'd only become more powerful should the Sith Lord strike him down. Vader ignored the warning, reduced Obi-Wan to a pile of robes, and lived to regret it, as the Jedi's ghost returned to guide Luke Skywalker towards destroying the Death Star. Obi-Wan's Force Ghost appeared physically later in the original trilogy, and other practitioners included Yoda, Anakin Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker. The lore behind Force Ghosts in the Star Wars, Star Wars universe is fairly simple. Both the light and dark side have their own unique tricks, and while the Sith can shoot blue lightning from their fingertips, the Jedi can cheat death by becoming one with the Force and returning as a phantom. Naturally, only those with a strong affinity to the Force can achieve the posthumous transformation, and the technique was pioneered by Qui-Gon Jinn. Though he was killed before perfecting the technique, fortunately Yoda picked up Qui-Gon's studies and, along with Kenobi, mastered the Force Ghost form properly. Everyone knows that only the Jedi can transcend into spirits in Star Wars, but who can actually see them is less clear. Can these specters only appear in front of Force-sensitive folk, or can anyone bear witness to a translucent Jedi? In the original Star Wars trilogy, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin are the only ones that ever interact with Luke Skywalker, a future Jedi in its own right. In Disney Star Wars sequels, Ghost Yoda returns to chat with Luke, and then Luke and Leia manifest in front of Rey, Another powerful force user, the exclusive um, of the apparition of the appearances would suggest that force ghosts can only be seen by force sensitives, but the majority of ghost scenes in the Star Wars movies take place in isolated locations such as Octo and Dagobah, so it's difficult to be certain. The most revealing Force Ghost sequence is Return of the Jedi's iconic ending. In this scene, the Rebel Alliance are celebrating victory over the Empire with their furry friends on Endor. Luke separates from the crowd and sees the Force Ghosts of Anakin, Yoda, and Obi-Wan in a small forest clearing, at which point Leia comes to find her brother and bring him back to the party. Leia, who was not explicitly Force-sensitive at this point, doesn't acknowledge the Force ghosts at all, heavily suggesting that she can't see them. Moreover, the trio of ghosts aren't exactly well-hidden. Surely, one of the revealers would have noticed that if such a thing were possible, assuming the rebels weren't obscenely drunk, this supports the idea that only Jedi can see their fallen ancestors. Force ghosts only appearing to force users makes sense on a thematic level. The ghosts are said to comprise entirely 
of force energy, sentient manifestations of the mysterious, unseen energy the Jedi wield. It's logical that only those who can use the force themselves can see the spirits it creates. This theory is supported by the 2015 canon novelization of The Empire Strikes Back, in which Obi-Wan's ghost tells Luke that the Master and Apprentice can see each other again, thanks to the youngsters' training on Dagobah. And also, Revenge of the Sith, where Yoda claims he can teach Obi-Wan how to commune with Qui-Gon. Not only does it appear that only Jedi can see Force ghosts, but there's a heavily implied that commuting, communicating with them is a skill in itself. This would explain Leia's apparent inability to see the three ghosts in Return of the Jedi's finale, despite the fact that she was actually Force-sensitive. Luke's ability to see the dead improves the stronger he gets, and when Rey first sees the ghost of Luke, she's re- already a powerful and skilled Jedi. The Rise of Skywalker also showed Leia teaching Rey how to listen for the voices of the past in the most that most recent Star Wars movie at that time. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. It is entirely possible to like both Star Trek and Star Wars at the same time. There are groups that will tell you, ah, oh, Star Wars sucks, Star Trek is better. There are groups that will tell you, ah, oh, Star Trek sucks, Star Wars is better. But I'm what you would call by sci-fi because I love Star Trek and I love Star Wars and Stargate and Sequest and Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who and everything Marvel and DC. Yes, I love both Marvel and DC and any other comic iteration that a cartoon has sprung from or a TV show. And right now, I'm going to talk to you about 18 eerie, disturbing and downright scary Star Trek episodes. Because sci-fi and horror go together like chocolate and peanut butter. Which is why franchises like Alien and Predator thrive to this day. The Star Trek universe may be known for its heady, philosophical take on science fiction. And it's utopian future, but it has occasionally dipped into the horror genre. You can find chest-bursting aliens, haunted spaceships, psychological torment, split personalities, and nightmares come to life across all of the Star Trek TV series. In space, no one can hear you scream, but aboard a Federation craft, there are more screams than you might expect. Those who love the darker side of genre television should seek out these episodes in particular. Number one, The Enemy Within from the original series, Star Trek. Teleporting through a transporter may seem like a magnificent dream for the future, but the things do seem to regularly malfunction, at least when a good horror story is needed. Just five episodes into the series, we get a taste of the dark side as Evil Kirk struts through the corridors of the Enterprise. Most unsettling of all is the scene in which our hero, who bear in mind had only been with audiences for a month at this point, attempts to uh, to assault Janice Rand. Cat's Paw from the original series. 
when it comes to good old-fashioned Halloween scenery in Star Trek, no other episode tops Cat's Paw. With its witches, spooky castle, giant black cat, skeletons and cobwebs. Robert Block, writer of Psycho, penned that tale. The original series also had Wolf and the Fold. A serial killer is on the loose on an otherwise peaceful world. And all fingers point to Scotty. Turns out it's actually an entity once known as Jack the Ripper. The Ripper's spirit eventually takes over the Enterprise computer. Beyond the Farthest Star, the animated series of Star Trek, with their bright colors, cartoons have a difficult time being scary. But we did not want to overlook the underrated animated series, which featured most of the same talented cast and creators as the live-action original. Here, it's very first episode, TAS has a plot eerily similar to Alien, predating it by six years. The Enterprise comes across a derelict insectoid ghost ship in the far reaches of space. Naturally, an evil entity is attempted to lure in our heroes and escape and infect the rest of the universe. The Next Generation had Conspiracy, easily the goriest of any Star Trek episode. Thanks to the wonderful work of effects artist Michael Westmore, Conspiracy climaxes with this gruesome parasite ripping through the charred ribcage of an unlucky lieutenant commander. I know you're likely screaming, Kill it! Kill it! with the phasers. Thankfully, a surprisingly calm Picard and Riker do just that. Night Terrors is another one from the next generation. Trapped in a rift in space, the crew of the Enterprise becomes plagued by unexplained paranoia and hallucinations. The episode, frankly, is widely disliked by fans, but it does feature some eerie imagery, like these corpses rising under shrouds in the morgue. The next phase from Star Trek Next Generation... Jordi LaForge and Ensign Ro Loren are presumed dead after, you guessed it, a transporter accident. Turns out, however, that they have instead turned into some kind of ghosts who wander the Enterprise, unable to interact with the living crew. Schisms from the next generation. Some crew members complain of a lack of sleep and suddenly find themselves terrified of ordinary objects. After some psychological probing, it is discovered that all have shared experiences of having been abducted. Creepier yet, Riker's arm seems to have been removed and reattached without his acknowledge. Yet, it's good old alien abduction, right? Only, these aren't your typical little gray men. Frame of mind from Next Generation. Speaking Riker, the guy... Looks like a bass player for The Cure in this gothic tale. The commander keeps jumping between two realities, one of which has him as a mentally deranged man in an insane asylum. Sub Rosa, The Next Generation. Deep Space Nine is certainly the darkest of the Star Trek series. Literally, it's lighting and it's overtone, overall tone, but Next Gen absolutely served up the most horror episodes. As you can see, in this late episode, there's a cult classic haunted house tale 
where Beverly Crusher visits the house of her recently deceased grandmother. A ghost called Ronan bewitches her into falling in love with him. Whispers from Deep Space Nine, which is overriding theme of war. DS9 typically dealt with realistic horror, but it did dip into traditional spooks here and there. Actually, this episode is quite similar to a classic 1953 Philip K. Dick short story called Imposter, which was adapted into a Gary Sinise flick decades later. O'Brien returns from a mission, and everything feels a little off. Is something wrong with everyone? Is something wrong with him? Distant voices from Deep Space Nine. Dr. Basher is rapidly aging. Quark is cowering with fear behind the bar, muttering about how someone is going to kill them all. Basher continues to deteriorate. For some, aging is the greatest fear of all. Impak Nor, Deep Space Nine. O'Brien and a small team journey to an abandoned station to scavenge rare Kardashian, Kardashian parts needed to re- do repairs. No, not the Kardashians, the Kardashian. Their bodies of crew members are discovered and hanging from the walls, bringing to mind aliens, and a booby trap endangers them all. The Thaw from Star Trek Voyager. As it has proven, audiences eat up a creepy clown. Here, Michael McKean plays a truly sinister clown who torments poor Harry Kim. The episode also echoes A Nightmare on Elm Street, not to mention serious parallels with The Matrix. As we discover that the Voyager crew are experiencing their greatest fears while stuck unconscious in stasis. Darkling from Star Trek Voyager. The tried and true Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde trope inspires this episode, which sees the Doctor breaking bad a la The Enemy Within. The Haunting of Deck 12 from Star Trek Voyager. How do you frighten a bunch of bored kids? Neelix tells a spooky campfire story. And what better ghost story is there in the Star Trek universe than a malicious entity taking over a ship? Dead Spot from Star Trek Enterprise. Enterprise proved that you don't need a shadowy, dim spaceship to elicit chills. Sometimes bright, white, and antiseptic can be equally unsettling, as we see when Archer, T'Pol, and Tucker board a strange, desolate station. Things always seem to go wrong when the crew needs to make repairs. Am I right? Impulse from Star Trek Enterprise. At last, the Star Trek universe logically arrived at Vulcan Zombies, A toxin called Trillium D turns the typically stoic race into violent monsters. Right off the bat, we see the effects of T'Pol as being strapped into a bed, screaming and thrashing. It makes for a strange introductory transition. As we cut from a screaming T'Pol into that corny, cheesy Enterprise theme song. Otherwise, this is about as straight-up horror as Star Trek can get. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Spirituality and the supernatural go hand in hand. Here are five biblical themes from Star Wars. From May the Force Be With You to The Chosen One, Luke bringing restoration over evil through his defeat of the Death Star, the Star Wars franchise continues to resonate with spiritual themes. Now, 40-plus years in the making, and after Star Wars The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker's story came to an end and was brought to a new generation, this time featuring new heroes, of course, and villains, as Jedi junkies prepared for that final chapter and the Star Wars storyline. I wanted to take a moment to highlight five biblical concepts featured in past movies and that continue within the Disney Plus series, the standalone films and future films, I'm sure. We have a destiny to fulfill. In episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader challenged Luke Skywalker to fulfill your destiny. While Vader had sinister plans in mind, the reference to destiny strikes deep at the heart of the Christian message. Jesus came with a clear destiny of his own. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10 He also came to give a spiritual destiny to those who believe in him. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10 From obscurity to purpose, closely connected to destiny, is the journey from obscurity to purpose. In the original film, from the original trilogy, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, Luke arises from the undesirable desert planet of Tatooine through the arrival of C-3PO and R2-D2. Luke finds himself thrust into an adventure that leads to discovering his true identity and destiny as a Jedi. A close parallel is also found in Episode One: The Phantom Menace, with Luke's father, Anakin Skywalker, young Anakin begins as a slave on Tatooine, yet finds freedom through a surprise visit from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anakin, likewise, finds his destiny as a young Jedi, becoming a Padawan learner to Obi-Wan until later turning to the dark side. The power of the lightsaber. The Jedi's special weapon is the infamous lightsaber, a laser sword powerful enough to defect deflect laser fire and slice through doorways. This creative weaponry also holds a close familiarity with the biblical analogy of the Bible as the sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, 10-18, the Apostle Paul uses various pieces of Roman military armor to highlight aspects of attributes important in spiritual battle. The sword represents the Word of God, the one offensive weapon in Paul's list. Hebrews 4.12 also calls the Word of God living and active, presenting it as sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart.
the dark side. The dark side of the Force represents evil. It consumes Darth Vader in the original movies, along with the Emperor. In Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Supreme Chancellor Valorum and Darth Maul serve as the lead protagonists corrupted by the dark side. In the more recent episode... Um, Seven, The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren operates as the lead representative of the dark side of the Force. Though the dark, the uh, Star Wars films take a more Eastern approach to the so-called balance of good and evil. The dark side clearly identifies with what the Bible calls sin from Adam and Eve's fall into the Garden of Eden. The human prospensy of to fall from the dark side and break fellowship with God has served as a major theme of Scripture. Unlike the Star Wars films, however, the Bible offers forgiveness of sin through Jesus and only Jesus, John fourteen sixteen. Yes, people can and often do change for the better, but self-improvement is not sufficient to defeat sin. Only faith in Christ can provide true salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. There's still time to change. In Episode 6, Return of the Jedi... Luke continues to believe Darth Vader can turn from the dark side. He encourages, there is still good in you. Vader does, in fact, rescue Luke in the end, giving up his life to save his son. Vader's change represents an example of the power of the gospel as well. No one is too far from God to be saved by him. The account of the prodigal son acknowledges that anyone who turns to the Lord will be received by him. Luke 15, 11 through 32. We are not saved by our works. We are saved for good works when we trust in Christ. Ephesians 2, 10. Star Wars offers an imperfect yet intriguing look at spiritual themes ripe for discussion. Those who have watched the past films or visit theaters for the latest episodes as they come, whether it be streaming on your television at home, the comfort and safety of your own home because of this pandemic, or in theaters as they slowly start to reopen. The latest episodes, you can find ample material to dialogue regarding deeper issues of tremendous importance for our spiritual lives. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com Available to order now, my first audiobook. Neil Parks presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on Bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available And last spring, my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by.
It was awesome of you to hang out with me this long and listen to me go on and on about Star Trek and Star Wars and various other sci-fi and the spiritual significance and the parallel between religion and science and how they are all intertwined. Where there is science, there is fact. Where there is fact, fiction can sometimes not be as strange. And where miracles happen, not only is scientific plausibility present, but the power of God also works. Those things can coexist in the same universe. I'm Neil Parks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Paranormally Speaking. Join me next week as I cover more of the weird, the wild, the wacky, and God knows who I or what I have lined up for next week. I just kind of wing it. Have a great weekend. I will see you soon. And please continue to listen and spread the word of uh, this podcast so I can get more people to listen and to hear the message. Thank you. This is Neil Parks signing off. It was awesome of you to hang out with me this long and listen to me go on and on about Star Trek and Star Wars and various other sci-fi and the spiritual significance and the parallel between religion and science and how they are all intertwined. Where there is science, there is fact. Where there is fact, fiction can sometimes not be as strange. And where miracles happen, not only is scientific plausibility present, but the power of God also works. Those things can coexist in the same universe. I'm Neil Parks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Paranormally Speaking. Join me next week as I cover more of the weird, the wild, the wacky, and God knows who I or what I have lined up for next week. I just kind of wing it. Have a great weekend. I will see you soon. And please continue to listen and spread the word of uh, this podcast so I can get more people to listen and to hear the message. Thank you. This is Neil Parks signing off. Mañana por ustedes y esta vez que sea por mí